Welcome to this edition of Amazing Creation. I'm your host, Fred Johnson. This show is about the credibility of the scriptures as they pertain to the creation of the world and our origins, and in contrast to the dogma of evolution. The show is produced by the Triangle Association for the Science of Creation. That's shortened to TASC, T-A-S-C, a Raleigh, North Carolina group of scientists and lay folks whose mission is to increase awareness of the scientific evidence supporting the plain, straightforward understanding of the biblical account of creation. Evolution is almost universally now taught in our public schools, colleges, and universities as the origin of all of life we see around us. But there are many, including highly educated scientists, who see evolution not only as impossible, but moreover as untenable when made to stand beside the revealed Word of God in the Bible. Our topic for today is the second of a two-part series entitled Sherlock Holmes and the Mystery of the Soft Dinosaur Tissue. We'll be speaking today with Dr. Jeff Gift, who has a Ph.D. in chemistry and is a toxicologist by trade. Last week, we talked about this curious observation of soft tissue within dinosaur bones that are purported to be tens to hundreds of millions of years old. And yet, the clear evidence that these are actually much younger uh, is there. And we discussed how this relates to uh, the methods of the famous detective Sherlock Holmes, uh, particularly his axiom that, quote, once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth, end quote. We also discussed how scientists investigating the mystery of soft dinosaur tissue are ignoring this basic principle of research. That's right, Fred. Soft tissue findings are considered improbable because up until now, scientists didn't believe soft tissue could be preserved in the fossil record even one million years, never mind hundreds of millions of years. The simple solution to this mystery is that these fossils are not hundreds or even tens of millions of years old, but thousands of years old. Yet contrary to the methods of Detective Holmes, most scientists don't seem to be proactively attempting to eliminate the simplest of possibilities. We ended our discussion last week on the subject of carbon-14 dating. It's your belief that carbon-14 dating is a key to solving this mystery, and that we need to convince the scientists to apply carbon-14 dating methods to dinosaur tissue samples. Is that correct? Yes, uh, carbon-14 dating is a rather definitive way to test the hypothesis that dinosaur bone samples are tens or hundreds of millions of years old. In a nutshell, if these samples are more than a million years old, there should be no detectable carbon-14 in them. I do believe that convincing scientists to perform carbon-14 testing is important, but it's proving to be a tough road to hoe. Scientists are reluctant to test samples in this manner because they don't want to give ground on their belief that dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago. Instead, as we started to discuss last week, some, like Dr. Schweitzer, have focused their efforts on proving the hypothesis that these soft tissues and proteins can survive for hundreds of millions of years. As we mentioned last week, other scientists, like Dr. Horner, have moved on to other agendas. In an interview with 60 Minutes in 2009, Dr. Horner talks about how the his 
organization plans to attempt to genetically engineer a dinosaur-like chicken. In his 2009 interview, he claims that they will be able to create such a dino chicken within five years. That became such a popular concept that people started doing things like creating dino chicken websites and collecting pictures of what people think the dino chick would look like. In a March 2011 interview on TED.com, Dr. Horner explains his reasons for wanting to create a dino chick. He says, quote, It's a great way to teach kids about evolutionary biology and developmental biology and all sorts of things, end quote. He further states that, quote, When our dino chicken hatches, it will be obviously the poster child, or what you might call a poster chick, for technology, entertainment, and design, end quote. It seems that Dr. Horner is interested mostly in convincing people, primarily kids, which, by the way, is smart because most adults may have already made up their minds about such things. And he's also interested in making a media and technological splash. Unfortunately, however, for dinosaur chick enthusiasts, in a recent 2014 interview with Wired magazine, five years after their proclamation that they would hatch a dino chick in five years, Dr. Horner admitted that they have only been able to genetically alter a chicken by adding, and I quote, a vertebra or two, end quote, something that happens by accident on occasion. In time, I'm hopeful that some of these scientists can be convinced that the young dinosaur tissue hypothesis is a more promising line of research, or at least one that rises to the level in their minds of one of those cluttering distractions that Sherlock Holmes would say needs to be dismissed as impossible before moving on to the focus of the more popular hypothesis. It's hard for me to believe that we can't create sufficient doubt in the tens of millions of years old hypothesis, given all the evidence that we have, that points to the fallibility of radiometric dating, such as lava rock at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, dating to be younger than rock at the top, lava flows that solidified in recent years that have been dated to be millions of years old, radiometric dates that disagree with carbon-14 dates, and on and on, and also the likelihood that these fossils were buried rapidly, fossils posed, for instance, as if suffocating, tree fossils that extend upwards through several layers of strata. And also, given how well the young dinosaur hypothesis fits the existing evidence, soft tissue, measurable amounts of carbon-14, even the presence of DNA. DNA? Hasn't Dr. Horner himself said that DNA would not last tens of millions of years? Yes. In interviews over the past few years, Dr. Horner has talked about their exhaustive but fruitless efforts to obtain dinosaur DNA from amber or bones, much like the Jurassic Park movie. They had not found DNA because, as he puts it, and I quote, we just don't think it lasts that long, end quote. By that long, he of course is referring to tens of millions of years. However, recent efforts by Dr. Schweitzer and colleagues apparently have produced at least pieces of dinosaur DNA. In a 2012 paper, her lab reported finding DNA along with other proteins in dinosaur bone cells. Is it scientifically plausible for DNA fragments to last tens of millions of years? 
Under measured rates of decomposition, these proteins, and especially DNA, would not be expected to last tens of millions of years. According to recent reports in respected scientific journals such as The Biochemist, even if DNA was stored in bone at zero degrees centigrade, it would not be expected to last even three million years, a small fraction of the assumed age of these dinosaur specimens. Dr. Schweitzer has recently hypothesized that iron from degraded hemoglobin can bind together and preserve these fragile materials, much like formaldehyde binds and preserves laboratory tissue samples. Her lab has shown that blood vessels soaked in a concentrated hemoglobin extract were still recognizable after two years, but blood vessels soaked in water degraded in days. However, blood vessels soaked in laboratory-prepared hemoglobin is not representative of decomposing bones. Further, it's not plausible that iron could be as good a preservative as formaldehyde, which directly forms covalent cross-links between protein chains, something iron can't do. Even if it could, there's no scientific reason to expect that formaldehyde could preserve soft tissues and fine cellular details for tens of millions of years. Embalmers of human bodies widely acknowledge that their use of formaldehyde is to slow down, not to prevent the process of decomposition. What DNA evidence did Dr. Schweitzer's team find? Are they sure it is DNA? Dr. Schweitzer's team detected DNA in three independent ways. One of these chemical tests found antibodies that are specific to DNA in its double-stranded form. This shows that the DNA samples were quite well-preserved, since short strands of DNA don't form stable duplexes, or double strands. Also, contrary to what one would expect if their findings were from contamination, the DNA was not found everywhere, but only in certain internal regions of the cell. This is not consistent with bacteria, but quite consistent with what one would expect for more complex cells, such as ours and dinosaurs, where the DNA is stored in a small part of the cell, the nucleus. Furthermore, Schweitzer's team detected a special protein called histone H4, a specific protein for DNA. In more complex organisms, the histones are tiny spools around which the DNA is wrapped. But histones are not found in bacteria. So, as Schweitzer et al. say, quote, these data support the presence of non-microbial DNA in these dinosaur cells, end quote. It's hard to believe that scientists, including Dr. Schweitzer, continue to ignore the possibility that these findings are not tens of millions of years old. It reminds me of the story of how Galileo used a telescope to show that the Earth is not the center of the universe. And some of his contemporaries were so disturbed by what the new invention revealed that they refused to look through it. Yet they eventually did. Is there a similar hope that scientists today can overcome their preconceived ideas about the age of dinosaur fossils and at least test that hypothesis? Yes, Fred, I believe there is hope. Dr. Horner himself has stated that he's not opposed to bucking preconceived ideas. In his words, quote, a lot of people have some preconceived ideas about things, like you shouldn't break bones open. But if you break bones open, you might discover some really cool things. End quote. Well, there are a lot of preconceived notions about carbon-14 dating as well, and I suspect that Dr. Horner realizes that if they were to test bones for C14, 
they would also discover some things, some things that would challenge the very fabric of evolutionary science. These things might seem overwhelmingly threatening to his way of life. However, if scientists can overcome these fears, they might find that research on dinosaur tissue without preconceived notions of age could prove to be cool as well, perhaps even cooler than genetically altering chickens to look like dinosaurs. In closing, I'd like to say that I feel bad that some scientists, like Dr. Schweitzer, have been put off by comments and criticisms from some creationists. I'm not quite as zealous as some creationists in that I don't believe that the Bible is particularly clear about when God created, only that he did. However, as I've stated previously, I believe that a creation that took millions of years wouldn't be as consistent with the God of the Bible, particularly considering the many ex nihilo and near-instantaneous miracles performed by Jesus. But regardless of what you believe about what the Bible has to say about creation, there is no tenet of the Bible or the theory of evolution that suggests that dinosaurs could not have been alive as recently as thousands of years ago. Many evolutionists, including Dr. Horner, emphatically state that they are alive today in the form of chickens and other birds who they claim to be dinosaurs. Thus, I hope that scientists doing research in this area can put aside their distaste for creationism or creationists and explore all viable hypotheses, including the thousands of years old dinosaur hypothesis, and pursue the truth of the matter using scientific methods in a manner that would make Holmes proud, starting with the simplest of solutions and eliminating the impossible solutions to help bring the truth into focus. Thank you, Dr. Jeff Gift, and thanks to you listeners for tuning in. You can find out more about TASC and some good information about the scientific study of the world from the perspective of those who take the scripture seriously at the TASC website, task-creationscience.org. That's T-A-S-C-creationscience.org. There you can learn about TASC's monthly meetings, which are open to the public, subscribe to the monthly newsletter, and read and download previous articles. Until next time, this has been Fred Johnson for Amazing Creation.